0: Thank you for listening to The Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. First Samuel chapter number 10, starting at verse number 9. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, this is talking of Saul, that God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. When they came there to the hill... There was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him. And let me hear you say, he prophesied among them. Mm. And it happened when all who knew him formally saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets. That the people said one to another, what is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Then a man from there answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? First Samuel chapter number 15 verse number 34 states, Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house at Gibeah of Saul, and Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. And then last passage is 1 Samuel chapter number 16. States, now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Look to your neighbor before we're seated and look at them and say, there is a blessing in the anointing. And you may be seated. Thank you, Brother Nathan. Does anybody have a squeaky door in their house? Yes. All right. I felt a witness in the spirit there. There's a squeaky door in my house, and I have not got around to fixing it yet. As some of you well know, I am not handy, so that would probably involve removing a door and trying to replace it, and that would be a disaster. But there was a man who was much more able than I, that everywhere that he went, he carried a little thing of oil with him. Now, it wasn't to anoint people. It wasn't to lay hands on people and cast the devil out. No, he had a thing for squeaky doors. And everywhere he went, if there was a squeaky door, he just had to fix it. It was, it was something he had in his DNA. He couldn't, he couldn't stand it. And there was one day that it kind of came to a head. He was sitting at the doctor's office. And as you know, anybody that's ever been to the doctor, they tell you to show up at 10 o'clock. You're not in the back until 1045. And then the doctor doesn't come in until 10, or 1115. So he's sitting there, and all of a sudden, he just hears. And it happens for 30 minutes. And he gets really annoyed, and so finally he gets up, takes that little thing of oil, goes over, pours it on the door, and he sits there in silence for the rest of the time because the door no longer squeaks. And he did this all throughout his life. It was known that wherever he went, he would do this. Now, for us kids growing up that had parents that had quirks like this, um, that can be rather embarrassing from time to time. And he had kids that whenever they were out in public, they'd be like, oh my so embarrassing and he poured the oil on the door in the restaurant and be like thanks man we were going to pay somebody to do it. oh no no worries <laughs> meanwhile no free dinners no nothing and towards the end of his life his kids sat were sitting around and they were talking to him and his daughter asked him she said dad i know that you've done this my whole life but i've never asked you why And he said, well, it's very easy for people to walk into rooms, walk into situations, and there's a problem. But sometimes it's just easier to let the problem go than to take time and to fix it. And he said, my goal is to leave every room that I walk into a better place than where I found it. How many times in our lives... Do we have that opportunity as children of God to walk into a room and to leave it in a better place than we found it? And in our text chapter, we see a very specific story, very tragic story, and one that every time that I read it, it pricks my heart. And I believe today that God has a word for somebody to bring hope to you, to let you know, as Dr. Larmy was talking about, that God knows exactly where you're at and that God can reach down and provide that miracle that you desperately need this morning. In our text chapter, we see that Saul was anointed king. He was out serving and looking for donkeys that were lost. And you could parallel it to David, who was then anointed king after Saul, who was out serving, being a shepherd in the field. But we see that the Israelites cried for a king, and finally God obliged them, and he sent Samuel to anoint Saul. The story starts out with Saul prophesying to the people and doing great things for God. And if the story had stopped there, we would have been really excited and we probably would celebrate Saul to this day. But the story doesn't stop there. It continues on and Saul loses his way somewhere. And somewhere he begins to trust on his word instead of God's word. He begins to think he can do things his way instead of God's way and he begins to go on and say that, you know what, I don't need the voice of the man of God in my life. And so here we find the text chapter and here we find Saul. And at the end of his life, he ends up going back to a witch or to a, uh, to a, a medium that was sitting there. And he said, I need to hear from Samuel one more time. And again, what a tragic end to someone who started off in prophesying. And Samuel had had Saul poured the anointing on his life. He had been given his blessing and he poured the oil over his head and he spent time with him. He showed him what to do and how to seek God. And at some point, Saul began to think that I can do this on my own. He began to think that I do not need the voice of God. I do not need the man of God. And it comes to a head in 1 Samuel 13 when Samuel, uh, Samuel told Saul, he said, do wait until the I return to do the sacrifice. But Saul gets antsy and he goes ahead with the sacrifice without the prophet there. And what we see is something unfolding where the kingdom is slowly being ripped from his hands. And I just want to caution somebody this morning is that when you don't wait on The voice of God or when you think that you can begin to do things on your own without spiritual authority and spiritual submission you are walking in a very dangerous place because when we step out from spiritual authority and step out from spiritual anointing and submission we're exposed because there's nobody that's watching out for your soul and when we no longer listen to the voice of the prophet or the man of God, we're sitting there and we could be exposed when in reality, if Saul had just listened, his life would have turned out completely different. Do not ever criticize or do not ever worry about when the man of God says, hey, or woman of God says, hey, I've got a word for your life, a word of caution. But just know that God is trying to reach you and trying to say, hey, when you fall under spiritual authority, when you fall under spiritual submission, the anointing can flow down. And salt does things out of order. And it leads us to this moment where Samuel gets frustrated. And as we have heard pastor preach for the last eight years, that we, the mission of God is to make disciples. How many of us have ever an honest show of hands? I'll raise both hands. There have been times where we've been making disciples and it feels like we're doing a lot of work and not seeing any results. Samuel is in this boat where he has poured into Saul and he has given Saul his everything. He has spent time with him. He has broken bread with him. He has anointed his head with oil. And what he is seeing in return is somebody that says, I don't need you anymore. It hurts when the person that you're trying to take and trying to bring along with you so that they can lead you as you follow Christ looks at you and says, I don't need what you're trying to do or they don't want where you're trying to take them or, or you say, you know what? I'm trying to point you to a Jesus that died on Calvary for you and they're just like, oh, you know what? I don't need that right now. And as a disciple maker, it hurts. And Samuel comes to this moment and he's in this time where he had a disciple maker in his life. His name was Eli, and Eli was the priest, and his mother, from a very young age, left Samuel at the temple, and Samuel is there, and it was Eli who, when he came to him, and he said, Eli, did you call for me? He said, no, go back and talk to God, and it was Samuel that heard from Eli when he said, I, I'm going to show you the things of God, but Eli had some stuff in his life with his two sons, Hophni and Phineas, who weren't right with God and they were defiling people and doing all kinds of immoral things and here it was, it, then the word of God came to Samuel to tell his disciple maker that I've got judgment that's coming against you. So disciple maker is given judgment by the disciple and here we are and Samuel is once again put in this position where disciple making Seems as if it can be overwhelming. Oh, I've poured into students. I've poured into people only to receive the phone call or to receive the text or I'm not interested in serving God anymore. And let me just tell you, it breaks your heart. It shatters you. And you're questioning whether or not how on earth could this happen. I've given them my all. I've done everything that I know to do. I've prayed with them. I have fasted with them. God, I've laid hands on them. God, I've anointed them, so to speak, if you will. And all you get in return is I'm not interested. And I know I'm speaking to some of you right now because I can feel it in the spirit right now where we feel like we might need to give up on disciple making or maybe it's just a pie in the sky idea. But let me just tell you, while Samuel was over there grieving on Saul, there was a young man who was learning how to get real good on the harp. There was a young man that was learning how to serve at all costs. There was a young man that was saying, hey, you know what? I don't know what this is going to bring. I'm the least of my brothers, but I'm going to serve at all costs. Behind every Saul is a David who can change the generations. Behind every Saul is somebody that's got the ability to see down into the future and to say, hey, there's something supernatural that can flow through my bloodline. But Samuel, in this moment, is frustrated. And it's in 1 Samuel 15 and 10. It states, now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly reject that I have set Saul up as king. He has turned his back from following me and has not performed my commandments. If you jump down to verse number 14, it states, but Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle? In verse 11, it states, it grieved Samuel that he cried out all night to the Lord. See, what happened was the word of the Lord came to the prophet and he told Saul, he said, go to the Amalekites and destroy them. Wipe everything off the face of the earth. I don't care what is left. Nothing should be left. There should be no cattle. There should be no lambs. There should be nobody left from the Amalekites. But Saul gets a little bit greedy. And they bring him the best lambs. The best cattle. And instead of wiping the king off the face of the earth, he lets the king live And Samuel is grieved, his heart is hurting, and he cried out to the Lord all night long, beseeching for Saul's behalf. But then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, and he answered, and he said, this is what Saul said, he said, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites, they spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. He didn't say the Lord my God, but he said the Lord your God. You see, Saul was interested in living in the walk and relationship of Samuel, but not really doing what God had called him to do. There's a danger when we get so comfortable with what happens in church that when we leave here, we've got no victory. We're not able to pray through. We're not able to seek God. But it might be time for some of us to stop saying the Lord, your God, and start saying the Lord, my God. God, I've got to seek after you. I've got to have a relationship with you. I've got to know you. Then you jump down. Why did you not obey the word of the Lord? And in my mind, I, I like to picture visualizations of what happened in the Bible. And Sight and Sound does a great job of this. And I always picture in my mind and I see these things. And by the way, Noah at Sight and Sound was the greatest one ever, just so everybody knows. With all the live animals and the sheep and the cattle and the, the camels. And when I was little, we went to see Noah. And uh, there was one time, they're bringing the, the camel down the aisle, and it's the coolest thing ever. That, uh, they walk through that big arc where there's like the fake lions. It would been pretty cool if they had real lions. But anyway, um, you sit there, and you're like, man, that's really cool. And all of a sudden, it's all fun and games until one of the animals gets loose. <laughs> and when we were younger, one of the little sheep got loose, and it starts like going through the row. And I'm like sitting there, I'm like, oh, man, this is so cool. And people are like, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. And like, of course, animals leave a mess behind. So now they're like cleaning up in the eye as a disaster, but it was the funniest thing ever. And I'm like, oh, is it going to hit that person? Yes, yes. But I put myself in the Bible sometimes. I close my eyes and as I think of this narrative. I think of Samuel standing there, tears just welling down his face, like the anointing oil did down Saul's face. And I think of Samuel just standing there Knowing that he's having to pronounce judgment on his disciple now. He pronounced judgment on his disciple maker. And now all of a sudden he's got to pronounce judgment on his disciple. And in my mind I just picture him devastated. And then all of a sudden he has to say, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? Is it to heed is better than, he says, then he goes on he says, Is to obey better than to sacrifice? And to heed is better than the fat of rams, and for the rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft, and arrogance is the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the Lord, he has rejected you as king. And then in my mind, this scripture breaks my heart every time I read it. Samuel turned to leave. The Bible states that Saul caught a hold of the edge of his robe. And it tore. It states that the kingdom has been torn from your hand. And in my mind, I'm picturing Saul saying, please, Samuel, come back. And Samuel walking along with that robe that is torn, knowing that he's going to have to go home and he's going to have to sew it. And as he's threading the needle, he's sitting there saying, Saul, why couldn't you just listen to the voice of God? So I tried to make you, I tried to help you become a king of Israel. I tried to do what I knew how to do. And Samuel is sitting there weaving this and he's sitting there and all that he gets is grief. And there are some times in our lives when we're trying to fulfill the will and the call of God in our life that we're devastated, that we're hurt, that we're broken. People break us, people hurt us. And we're sitting there and we're saying, there's no way God is in this. When in reality, God is saying, hey, you see that horn of oil that's in the corner of your room? There's another disciple that's waiting on it. You can't stay down. You see, we get so hurt. We get so burdened that we're sitting there and we're saying, God, I can't do this anymore. God, I can't live for you. God, I can't worship you. When in reality, God is trying to nudge you and to say, Samuel, get back up. Samuel, get back up. And in my mind, I'm picturing him with his voice like Samuel heard when he was in the tabernacle, when he was in the temple, hearing saying, Samuel, it's time to get back up. Samuel, it's time to get back up. There's a David that's over there. He's learned the harp real well. He knows how to shepherd the sheep. He's ready to fight the lions. He's ready to fight the bears. He's ready to fight Goliath. Samuel, get back up. And I want to encourage somebody that you feel like you've been knocked down for far too long, that it's time to get back up and to quit grieving. It is time to get back up and to walk in the prophetic destiny that God has called you to walk in. It's time to realize that I'm going to dance when I can't see the victory. I'm going to dance when I can't see anything but the giant in front of me. And here we are. Samuel grieves. That word grieved literally means to be as a father who lost a son. You can't tell me that discipleship wasn't in the Old Testament. You can't tell me that making disciples is something that we only believe here in this day and age. Throughout all of time, disciples were made. And it's time for some of us to stop grieving about the one that left. Stop grieving about the one who hurt us and say, there's a David on the other side. And Samuel gets back up. Samuel was upset. Samuel was hurt. He was wondering. But God says, Samuel, stop grieving. There's a day, there's another king out of the house of Jesse. There's another king that's ready. And Samuel gets back up. Let me just say, sitting over in that corner of his room was a horn of oil that was empty because the Bible said that God told him to fill the horn of oil. It was perhaps dusty. Maybe it hadn't been used since Saul was anointed. But Samuel is here at this moment and God begins to speak there begins to be some movement but let me just tell you that in order for there to be oil there has to be a crushing in order for there to be an anointing there has to be a breaking in order for there to be an anointing there has to be something that's stretched something that's ripped and some of you are wondering why on earth you're going through what you're going through could it be that the anointing is getting ready to come could it be that the prophetic destiny that you've been praying for God is getting ready to open and Samuel begins to fill that horn with oil all over again. And he begins to get up and he goes over to Jesse's house and he says, Hey, I need to see your sons. There's a man that needs to be dedicated as king today. And Jesse brings out his other sons. And all of a sudden, David or Samuel goes, This is not it. And God tells him, God does not look on the outside, but God looks on the inside. And there are so many times that people use that verse to justify living an unholy lifestyle, not separated. Let me just tell you, that's not what that verse means. It means that God is looking for somebody that's going to do something with the anointing. God is looking for somebody that's going to be able to slay giants. God is looking for somebody that's going to stand there and dance in the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. God is looking for someone that will say, God, you have my all. And here we are. And we get to that moment. And again, I take myself to to what Samuel was feeling. And here Samuel is. He's looking at David and David stinks like the sheep. Probably had a little bit of some of the sheep left on him and maybe some hay. And Samuel is standing there and he says he doesn't look like Saul. He doesn't smell like Saul. He doesn't have the poise of Saul. But here he is. And David just is standing there as humble as can be saying, what is it? whatever it takes I'll do. And here he is and saw Samuel with his eyes full of tears I'm sure because God had to tell him I look on the inside. He's sitting there and he's saying if God God, it's got to be you because this man doesn't look like anybody. He's the least of his brothers. How on earth am I going to anoint him? How on earth is he going to be the king of Israel? How on earth is he a man after your own heart? And let me just tell you sometimes what God is doing you can't see. And you're wondering, God, how on earth am I going to get through? How on earth are they going to get through? And God is just saying, hey, don't worry. I work my best when it seems like all the odds are stacked against me. There's a king inside of this shepherd. There's a king that's going to change the face of Israel. There's a king that out of his lineage, Jesus is going to come. And all of a sudden, the anointing is poured on him and is saturated. The anointing is worth it all. The anointing is worth it all. There are several things that the anointing does when we receive it. The anointing brings repentance. When David had his issue with Bathsheba and then subsequently killed her husband, had her husband killed, Prophet Nathan shows up at his house, knocks on his door. David? Yes, sir, what's going on? He tells him a story. And David says, whoever that is, we must kill him. And Nathan looks at him and he says, thou art the man, David. You did this. When you receive the anointing, correction never brings offense. It always drives you to your knees so that you can repent so that God can still move through you. If David had become offended at what the prophet had said when he was trying to correct him and trying to warn him, I can tell you this much, there would have been a whole different story with David. But because of the repentance that came afterwards and David gets down and he offers a sin offering to let God know that he messed up. Whenever there's true repentance, the anointing begins to seep in so deep. You see, repentance isn't just saying, I'm sorry. It means that we change from our ways. We turn around. But the anointing brought repentance. The anointing also brought into his life was there when David stood before Goliath. And I feel that perhaps in this room, God has given me this message for this day, for this time. And I want to encourage somebody that you are facing a Goliath in your life. There are some of you in this room, and I feel this in the Holy Ghost, this right now, that have received evil things happening in your life. Bad reports from the doctor, and you're sitting there saying, I don't know how on earth this Goliath is going to be slain in front of me. But I want you to know that when you've got the anointing, there is no devil in hell, there is no bad doctor's report that can stand at the mention of the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And Jesus, or excuse me, God begins to speak to David in this moment. And here is something so special, is that the anointing goes with you always as we stand against the modern day Goliath, which is the spirit of Antichrist that's trying to run the world right now legislation that's coming and things that the government is trying to do and things that are happening in our world where the world is trying to paint the church as something that we're not, let me just tell you, this has not caught God by surprise. Because the Bible states that as Jesus told the disciples, upon this rock will I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Somebody needs to realize that hell isn't going to win, that the gates of hell shall not prevail. That didn't stop in 2020. It's not going to stop in 2021. It's going to keep going until the time comes when the church is out of here. Oh, hallelujah. And there is a moment that comes. When the anointing comes in front of Goliath. So for you, for those that are facing a Goliath in your life, let me just say that the anointing gives you the ability to slay that Goliath. You see, David's brothers were at the same battle that he was at. Isn't that interesting? The only difference is they didn't have the anointing. They're listening to Goliath talk about the church and listening to Goliath defame their God and listening to Goliath say the things that he was saying and nobody did anything until Jesse says, hey, take your brothers a cheese sandwich. Go down and visit them at the battle. David picks up his stuff and gets down to the battle and here's Goliath talking about the living God. God. And David says, I've had enough of this. Why hasn't anybody done anything? Let me put this in terms that we can understand and that we relate to today. That was a generational giant standing in front of them, talking about them, talking about their family, talking about the legacy of Israel, talking about the children of God. There are some generational giants that only you can slay in your family. Anybody that's ever dealt with addiction, you know what I'm talking about right now. Where it comes into a moment and you're sitting there and you're saying, you know what, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but God steps in. And no longer are you addicted to drugs. No longer are you an alcoholic. No longer are you addicted to pornography. And God begins to say, that anointing that was with you there, it's so that I can show that the anointing can destroy the generational giant. Oh, there are some of us that have battled depression for far too long that have been oppressed by the enemy everywhere that we go. And God is saying, hey, if you can destroy it, if with the anointing that you can work with it, there's a testimony that has to come. Because what happens is it had to be David. If the least of these could destroy Goliath, what's going to happen when the least of your family stands up and says, I don't have to be an alcoholic anymore. I don't have to be a drug addict anymore. I don't have to be addicted to pornography. I don't have to deal with depression anymore. God steps in. When God steps in, the anointing reaches down and says, Goliath, you're done. And I want to tell somebody today, and this is what I felt in the Holy Ghost, your Goliath has to die today. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but you've been battling something that's been talking about you, been talking about the man of God, been dealing with you, and you're sitting there saying, hey, I don't know what to do, but I want you to know the anointing has showed up today that your Goliath can die, your mountain can be moved, you don't have to suffer with addiction, you don't have to suffer with depression anymore. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. God is reaching for you today. It had to be David. It had to be you because you're the only one that could battle the anxiety. It had to be you because if you can get off the drugs, everybody can get off the drugs. It had to be you because if you can survive the abuse, anybody can survive it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you get the anointing as the musicians come, something supernatural happens. I don't know about you, but as Brother Stone King says, if God's doing something, I want to be a part of it. Why not me? If God's doing an in-time revival like we talked about, why not me? If God's using people, why not me? And then the anointing brings something supernatural, something special. The anointing brought David the ability to survive his past. You see, David, we love to quote the scripture, dance like David danced with all of our might. But you see, leading up to that moment was some junk. You see, David goes to get the ark back that Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, left. They messed up. And he goes to get the ark back and David does not follow the law. And what happens is this, they put the ark on a cart and we know the story, I'm not going to rehearse this, but Uzzah reaches out, tries to stable it, he dies, we know that. David leaves the ark at Obed-Edom's house and last year during quarantine, pastor preached a message that forever impacted me, it said, when the common becomes sacred, talking about Obed-Edom. And in this moment, the ark stays at Obed-Edom's house. And David finally realizes what they need to do to get the ark back. And he goes with the priests. They put the poles in it. They begin to walk. And the Bible states that they sacrificed every six paces. Thank you, Jesus, for the ark. Thank you, Jesus, for the glory. Thank you, Jesus, for the anointing. Thank you, Jesus. I know Jesus wasn't in the Old Testament. Just bear with me this morning. And as they get this ark and they're carrying it on their shoulders, in this moment, they're coming back. And they're coming back into the city. And David is just dancing, he's pouring his heart out, dancing. Some of us have been living in the past mistake of Uzzah for so long. We're afraid to lift up our hands in worship. Some of us have been living in the death of Uzzah for so long, but the anointing is trying to break in and to say, hey, if you just begin to dance, if you just begin to shout, there's a victory, there's a blessing in the anointing. What would have happened if David came back and he was so solemn and he was so hurt Because of Uzzah, you see, there was a disciple lost along the way, but David realized he had to get back up. He realized that he had to keep dancing. He realized that he had to walk into that city because the glory was back he realized that he had to come in leaping and shouting and saying that the glory is back. He's began to sing, dance like the weight has been lifted. I'm sure that that's what David's words were. Shout like the chains have been broken because he did it. And once again, David then begins to realize that that anointing that he felt began to flow over him and he began to dance around and began to look like a fool, but he didn't care because the glory was back. The anointing was back. And I've come to tell somebody today, it's time to leave Uzzah in the past because of the anointing Because the glory, because the promise of the future is back. As we stand all across this room. The glory is coming back. Listen, the Bible states that the latter house shall be greater than the beginning house. Jesus said, these works that I do, you'll do them even greater. Because there's an anointing There's a blessing in the anointing. And David began to dance. David began to shout. But all of a sudden, Cameron looking from the window was David's wife, Michael. And she's peering down and she's saying, who is this king? How could you consider yourself a king if you're dancing and making a fool of yourself? Just because they're your friends, just because they're your family, they're not going the same place that you're going. Sometimes you've just got to forget what the naysayers are going to say and say, I've got to get down there. I've got to shout. I've got to praise because the anointing is back. I've got to lift up my hands and I've got to say that, you know what, there's a blessing in the anointing that I want. Maybe I got to run. Maybe I got to jump. Maybe I got to twirl around. I don't know, but there's a blessing in the anointing. Huh? You wonder why David danced. You weren't there with him in the valley of the shadow of death. You weren't there with him when he was facing Goliath. You weren't there when he had to drop the ark off at Obed-Edom. You weren't there when he had to watch us die. But all of a sudden, David says, I remember the anointing, and I've got to dance. I've got to shout. Oh, you've come too late to tell me that praise is not a weapon because you weren't there when I prayed and laid myself out and said, God, you've got to heal my father off the operating table. The doctor said he's going to die. But all of a sudden, my dad got a good report in the last week that he will live. Come on, you weren't there when they said that cancer's there on my mom. You weren't there when the doctor's report said you're not going to make it. But all of a sudden, there's a dance. There's an anointing in the oil. And there is a blessing in that anointing. You weren't there last year when the enemy taunted me every day, saying, "You'll never get another job. I've ruined you." You weren't there when I had to just lift my hands up, when it seemed like there was no hope, when it seemed like there was no answer. Ha I. You weren't there when God said, hey, I've got bigger plans for you. You weren't there when David said, I don't know what to do, but this Goliath has to die. Come on, we've got enough Mikels outside of the church. We don't need them inside the church. It's time for some of us to realize that greater is he that is in me. Some of us just need to learn how to shout when it seems like the enemy has won. Some of us just need to learn how to dance in the middle of the storm and say, God, I don't see the victory, but you do. God, it may look like the world is on fire and it's burning, but God, I'm going to dance because we're still making disciples at the life church. Come on, grandma, the prayers that you've been praying, God has seen them. Your grandkids, your kids are coming back. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to prophesy to somebody right now. You've been praying prayers for years. God has heard them, and the giant is dying today. Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost in this place this morning. Let's just lift our hands right now. Come on, Samuel, there's a David waiting on you. Don't give up on discipleship. There's a David waiting. Hallelujah. You're wondering this morning if you're here, is Vienna available? You're wondering this morning and you're wondering why, what are you talking about? How do I get the anointing? How on earth do I get the anointing? I'm so glad that you asked. And you're like, I didn't ask. I'm going to tell you anyway. If Vienna's, I think we'll see if she's able to join me. I don't know if she's shy or not. There's a reason that I believe that God is reaching for some of you this morning. Come here, Vienna. Come here. You want to know how you get the anointing? Vienna, what do we do to be saved? Okay. She's got to go get her mommy. Last night or a couple weeks ago, Vienna goes, dad, I want to baptize you. And I'm like, all right. We sat on our living room floor and her baptisms are a little rough. I got to tell you, (laughs) they are a little abusive. When she says, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of your sins. And he's going to fill you with the Holy ghost. I just, there and I'm like this is why we sacrifice this is why there's an anointing in the oil it's because I know that inside of me there's somebody that's looking on side of you and look there may be disciples that have discouraged me but I've got a little three-year-old disciple that knows how to baptize somebody in Jesus name she knows how to pray the prayer of faith I've got a little three-year-old that understands when you're not sick you pray to God hallelujah 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 So you're wondering this morning, how do you get the oil? There's got to be repentance. There's got to be water baptism in Jesus' name. And then that Holy Ghost is going to come all over you. You're going to begin to speak in a tongue like you've never spoken in before. And all of a sudden, the sin, the shame, the past, the hurt, the yuzzes, the mistakes are going to be gone. And perhaps you're here and you're saying, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I've been baptized. I' just discouraged. just a little broken. I've got a word for you this morning. David talks about in the end of Psalms, all of the great things that happen when those that have breath just begin to praise the Lord. You're wondering, some of you, there's a Goliath in front of you. I've already talked about it. And you're saying, I don't know how I'm going to make it through. But it was God, the anointing that guided him to the smooth stones. That one that was the perfect size. And it's going to be God's anointing that's going to guide you to the right moment where that anointing and that power is going to fall. And you're going to rise up and slay a generational Goliath in your family. where you're going to rise up and slay every addiction that's run in your family for 30 years. And God is going to reach down and say, hey, you know what? If they can do it, I can do it. This altar is getting ready to open, but I want to leave you with this. If you've not been filled with the Holy Ghost or baptized... I believe that God is getting ready to pour out his spirit right in this moment, in this service. We've got water to be baptized. If you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of your sins, we've got water. But there's a moment where what you do will determine your future and your destiny. See, my grandfather on my mom's side was a drunk, abused drugs, but Mark every Friday night he was in the biggest bar fights that you could find. Every Friday night. Come home stumbling in, eyes cut, hands knuckles bloody. Every Friday night. Somewhere along the way his mother she prayed, and she prayed. She didn't have a good home life. Her husband wasn't in church, but she just prayed. She said, God, you've got to save my kids. God, you've got to save my kids. And somewhere along the way, my, fa- my grandfather realized that he needed to get the, the anointing because there was a blessing in it. Came to a church service and was filled with the Holy Ghost and he was baptized in Jesus' name. And that generation could have died with my grandfather of not knowing God but here I am over 60 years later from when he received the Holy Ghost being able to dance because there's a blessing in the anointing. You see, it's not just you that you're impacting. It's the disciples that come after you because there's a blessing in the anointing. And it's time for us to realize that maybe we just need to jump a little bit. Maybe we just need to shout a little bit, but there is a blessing in the anointing. If you need the Holy Ghost, I would encourage you to come to the front of this room. If you need the Holy Ghost, we're going to pray for you. If you need to be baptized, you need to find somebody. But if you just need a good old-fashioned, you need to feel God all over you again, I encourage you to come to this altar. God's getting ready to do something. I feel this in the Holy Ghost right now. Years of torment is about to go bye-bye. Years of addiction is about to leave your body. Years of pain and hurt are about to be washed away. But I want you to know somebody's about to get their shout back. Somebody's about to get their praise back. Somebody's about to say, hey, you know what? It's been far too long since I've danced in the anointing. It's been far too long since God has just saturated me. This altar is open. If you would come right now, we're getting ready to sing, but I'm going to pray before we sing. Lord, right now, you see every need that is in this place, oh God. And God, we're getting ready to dance like the weight has been lifted and we're getting ready to shout like the chains have been broken. But right now, by the power of your word and the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ, God, I bind every sickness and every disease and every bad report from the doctor. In the name of Jesus, God, I bind every lie from hell that the enemy has spoken that I can't dance anymore, that I can't shout anymore. And Lord, right now I lose your freedom and I lose your liberty all across this room right now. Hallelujah. Come on, healing is happening. Healing is happening. Healing is happening. Come on, maybe we just need to dance a little bit. Maybe you just need to jump a little bit. Maybe you just need to get your shout back. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody, lift up your hands. Lift up your head. The sin as far as the east is from the west.